Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Almost every Christian has a nagging sense that they should improve their prayer life. But how, exactly? Today we'll cover some very practical steps that you can take not only to draw nearer to God in prayer, but also to get a lot more of your prayers answered. Mark 1.35 Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. This is what Jesus did. And that wasn't an unusual circumstance. He routinely did that. Luke 5.16 Jesus often withdrew to lonely, deserted places and prayed. When he lived on earth, Jesus set an example that we might follow in his steps, right? This is for our example. And personal, private prayer was so important to Jesus that he, he did this. He got up out of bed before the sun came up and he left the house and he walked somewhere. He traveled somewhere so that he could be uninterrupted, alone with the Father. Somewhere out in the desert. You don't do that if you're just going to go pray for five, ten minutes, right? He he wanted time alone. Matthew 14, 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. In Luke 22, 32, he prayed for Peter, which is why Peter, uh, his faith didn't ultimately collapse when he denied Christ, because Jesus was praying for him. In Matthew 11.25, he praised God for how he reveals things. In John 11, he thanked God for hearing his prayers. In Luke 6.12, it says one of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Jesus was a man of prayer. In John 12.27, he was deeply troubled, and he just poured out his troubled heart to the Father. In John 17, he prayed a long prayer. Uh, We know it as the high priestly prayer. He prayed first for himself, then for his disciples, then for you. It's all there in John 17. The night before the crucifixion, he went off by himself and agonized in prayer for hours. Luke 22, 41. He prayed while he was on the cross. Hebrews 5, 7 gives this summary of his whole life. It says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. I read that this week and I thought, could somebody put my name in that verse after I die? During the days of Daryl's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Is that my life? And if not, why not? Am I less needy than Jesus? Am I so self-sufficient that I don't need as much help from the Father as Jesus needed? I mean, what kind of pride does it take for a Christian to be prayerless? So let's, let's follow Jesus' example in intentional, private prayer. Let's just follow in his steps. I think there's a couple things. First of all, make a plan. Jesus did it. I mean, he decided, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to go to this place. I'm going to pray. Make a plan. It won't happen if you don't make a plan. 
And we plan important things, right? We plan in vac- our vacations. We make plans at work. We plan dates with our spouse. We plan meals. We, anything that we actually want to make sure it gets done gets a plan, right? Isn't that true in your life? You don't plan it, it doesn't happen. Nobody ever drifts into spiritual maturity or greater intimacy with God. You can't coast into that. You've got you to be intentional. We need to do what Jesus did, carve out some specific time when you are there to do nothing but pray. Secondly, follow his example of getting away from distractions. You've got you to you shut that phone off. You've got to shut that thing off. You can't have alerts beeping, you know, text coming and stuff beeping when you're trying to pray. It, you, there's no way. Do it. This is what Jesus was trying to do when he went out to the desert. He's trying to get away from that. How about this? First God, then Facebook. Try that. I mean, who gets the first fruits of your day? What are you most interested in when you wake up? How about God first, then Facebook? Fight against mental drift. I see Jesus taking steps here to, to get away from distraction. You know, if your mind, raise your hand if you have a problem with your mind wandering when you pray. Okay, yeah, it happens, everybody has that. If, if, if you're not, uh, if, if you have that going, try this. Try praying out loud. Your mind will not wander while you're praying out loud. Um, or if you're not in a place where you can do that, um, you could do what Hannah did and just move your lips uh, and say the words just silently with your lips. I've found, I never really thought about that before, but I've been doing that lately, and i found that when I do that, my mind doesn't wander. It takes a fair amount of mental energy to form the words with your lips and, and, and mouth them, and it takes enough to where you can't think about anything else. One guy who had a problem with falling asleep when he prayed, he just always fell asleep, uh, and, he, and so he's going to fight against that. So finally he said, well, you know, I've never, I've never fallen asleep while I was walking. And so when he prayed, he would just always walk and pray. He just paced back and forth in his study and pray. He, he said he walked miles in his study, <laughs> just praying. Another thing that will keep your mind from wandering is writing your prayers. And uh, I'll tell you, I found that not only does that keep my mind focused, but it forces me to a much deeper level of contemplation of what I'm praying. And if I just pray in my thoughts, I'll just zip, 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 zip through a whole bunch of stuff. But if I write it down, I think much more deeply. And I love the, I mean, did you catch that last, that last sentence in Hebrews 5, 7? Jesus' prayers were heard. Why? Because of his what? His reverent submission. Does that strike you as a little surprising? You would think his prayers, Jesus' prayers, would be heard automatically just because he's the Son of God. But it says, no, it's because of his reverent submission, and that's great news for us, because if it was because of who he was, then that would leave we'd be out of luck, right? But, but this is something we can imitate. If we have that same attitude of reverence, our prayers will be heard. And I think that's the implication that James is giving us here in, in 5.13. He's, he's not telling us to pray in times of trouble just so that we, our mouth has something to do. The implication is that if we cry out to God in prayer, he'll respond. 
He'll answer those prayers. And I'll say a lot more about this when we get down to verse 16 where James starts talking about the power of prayer to change outcomes. But, but for now, let me just say this. God answers prayer. If there's one thing that's crystal clear in Scripture, God answers prayer. If you go to him in times of trouble, he will comfort you. If you need something to uh, accomplish his will, he'll give you that thing. Whatever you need to accomplish his will, he promised. He'll give it to you. If you're in danger, you look to him for protection, he'll protect you. And it might not be the way you expect. Sometimes we're perplexed about prayers that go unanswered. And we say, like, well, wait a minute, prayer doesn't work because I prayed for this and that didn't. And but if we're honest, isn't it true that the vast majority of the prayers that go unanswered go unanswered because they go unprayed? James 4.2, you don't have because you don't ask God. Only God knows how many blessings we've left on the table just because we didn't ask. We could have had it. We just didn't ask. It's like the line from the old hymn, Oh, the peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Needless. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble everywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows bear? I mean, which one of your friends will will carry every single one of your sorrows? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Let's commit to this. Let's do this. And it takes commitment. Just out of curiosity, I asked in the first service, let me just see... How many of you would say that your private, personal private prayer life is strong? You're doing good in that area. That's How many of you would say, um, it's an area where I could use some help? <laughs> there we go. And that's not surprising. They asked seminary students at one, um, at one seminary about their devotional life, and they asked all the ones ready to go to the mission field and they, uh, about, do you even have a devotion, a, a devotion time where you're just reading the scriptures and prayer each day? Six percent said they had any kind of regular devotions. Of oh, seminary students. So it's not surprising that a lot of us regular folks would need help in that area. And so I'm just pleading with you. Those of you who are strong in this area, don't, don't keep it to yourself. Find someone to mentor. you got plenty to choose from, right? There's a lot of people that they just said, I need help, right? They just said it. Find one of them. Help them. And if you're one that raised your hand and said, I need help, find a mentor or just a friend, someone else that needs help, and help each other. Sometimes people wonder how to do it. What's the best time and day? You know, should you do it in the morning? Should you do it at night? You know, Scripture's... I would just say, how about both? Um, you know, we want to pray all through the day, pray without ceasing, but, but when it comes to those more focused, intentional times of prayer, I think Scripture points us to a beautiful rhythm of evening and morning prayer. Um, Psalm 92.1 says, It is good to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Can you see why? Why those two? Morning, love, mercy, I get up in the morning, I'm anticipating God's love. I'm, I'm asking for mercies. I'm looking ahead and I say, God, I know, you have, I know you have great ideas in mind for today and I'm praying about that. What's coming? And I'm, I'm asking for his love. Then at bedtime, 
I look back on the day and I acknowledge all that love that came, all those mercies that came my way. I, I, I see how he was faithful and I proclaim his faithfulness at bedtime. And I think that, um, that same kind of rhythm and, and you know, we, I think if we do one of those, we, most of us tend to do the first one and not the second one, right? We ask for a lot of mercies, but then we come, we just forget. We, we forget to look back and thank God for, for them, acknowledge that they came from Him. We need to remember at night. I think you can see that same rhythm of evening and morning prayers in Psalms 4 and 5. Psalm 4 is a bedtime psalm. Verse 4, when you are in your bed, search your hearts and be silent. Uh, Verse 8, I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Um, So so evening prayers, that's when you you think about God's, your safety in God. You want to calm your heart before God. You want to cast all your cares on Him and rest in Him and put your heart at ease. That's what you do at night. Psalm 5 is a morning psalm. And that's when you're, you're praying, laying, you get, you get expectation. Verse 3, in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and I wait in eager expectation. Now I'm ready for the day and I'm looking ahead. And this is a morning psalm. And, and, and so my, my first thing I want to do is I want to put my attention on God and consider his nature and his attributes. First thing in the morning, verse 7, but I, by your great mercy, will come into your house in reverence. I will bow down towards your holy temple. I want to come into your presence first, God. That's how I want to start my day. And then now I want to start seeking guidance from you for this day. Verse 8, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Make straight your way before me. Well, if something is broken in this church, this is how God wants it to be fixed. It's great that we're committed to prayer, corporate prayer. We're always praying in our prayer groups. We're getting corporate prayer today. Uh, We do that every single Sunday. That's great. That's great. But... Let's not neglect private prayer. I just wonder how many times God will bring a person into a particular church because he wants to show that person a problem in that church so that the person will pray earnestly and bang on the doors of heaven until God grants whatever grace is needed to restore what's broken. I wonder how often God brings a person to a church for that person for that purpose and what happens instead is the person sees the problem and says, this church has a problem and leaves. Or, or, or they, they cr- grumble about it, complain about it, and they start pointing it out to all their friends. See that problem? And they get everybody grumbling about it. Or they're, they're on the lookout for people who are responsible for it. So they can pass some blame. And all, all the time God is saying, no, 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 that's not why I revealed that problem to you. I brought you here and I opened your eyes to see that problem. Not so that you could do that. It was so that you could pray and ask for grace. So that you could see me respond to that prayer and do mighty things. It's interesting to me that the solution doesn't begin here in James with the elders praying. That comes in the next verse. But it begins with each individual member of the church praying. Always remember, you are the church. Okay? When you think about the church, not they, it's you. It's you. And nothing the leadership could ever do will ever make this church what it wants to be, or what it ought to be, what God wants it to be, unless each one of you is running hard after God. 
we can do our best to stimulate your thirst to run after him, to show you how to seek God's presence, to encourage you along the way, but the health of this church will never be any greater than the spiritual health of each member. And so the only way to improve the church in any meaningful way is for each one of us to draw near to him in communion and fellowship. Could it be that God would have you leave a church because of the problems in that church? Yes, but not until after you've done everything Scripture calls you to do to bring grace into into that problem and spent yourself in prayer. If everyone in this church were devoted to that, if we would just cry out to God, Lord, put something on our hearts, some big thing you want to do, put it on my heart, burden me with it, so I will pray and I will bang on the doors of heaven like you said to do. And give you no rest, like you said to do in the scriptures. What if we all did that? And then God would move and do mighty things through our prayers. That is God's will for us. I applied that last point to problems you notice in the church, because that's the context of James 5, the church. But the principle applies to any problems you notice anywhere. Whenever you see anything wrong, in the government, at work, in your home, wherever God opens your eyes to see something that isn't as it should be, ask yourself, did God let me see this so that I would complain about it or pray about it? Praying about problems that you notice can be a continuation of the application from yesterday, turning all the little moments throughout your day into prayers. I hope you're enjoying doing that as much as I am. It's really, really increased my awareness of God's presence and my fellowship with Him all through the day. I mentioned in today's message about using bedtime as an opportunity to recall the various forms of grace God gave you through the day so you can kindle the fires of gratitude. But it might also be helpful to take a moment and ask, how much grace might I have left on the table today because I didn't pray? I gave a lot of suggestions in today's study. You won't be able to put all of them into practice all at once. I suggest you just pick one, whichever one you're most in need of at this time. Maybe it's make a plan or schedule a time away from distractions, even if to begin with it's just 10 minutes, if that's longer than normal. Or get an accountability partner to help you. Or pray out loud or move your lips, or write your prayers out. Or make a morning and evening routine, or transform complaining into praying. Pick one, and make a serious effort to make that a permanent addition to your prayer life. Father, we believe, we believe, help our unbelief. We know you answer prayer, we know this is important. We don't act like it all the time. It's hard for us, as you know. Oh, Lord, give us tastes of success in this. Give us, each one here, when they go to you, tonight, tomorrow morning, tonight to proclaim your faithfulness, tomorrow morning to consider your love. I pray, please, when we cry out to you, what's your will? Show me how you want me to pray. Do it. Do it. Give us a little taste of intimacy and fellowship with you that will draw us back the next time and the next time. 
We want communion with you, but we need your help to even approach you. Please give us that thirst. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.